Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I have the privilege of finishing up this series called There Is Still Hope. And we're going to talk about hope that endures today. And I'm referring to the fact when the problem in your life doesn't change right away, how do you walk through that problem hopeful? How do you walk through that problem continuing to be free and peaceful and continuing to be able to walk in this thing called hope? And we'll have fun as we do it. I remember I was a freshman in, in high school and uh, broke my leg that year. And then the doctors later on, uh, they found this big growth on my lower bone. And so I'm talking to the doctor who's going to do the surgery and he says, this might be cancerous. And he said, if it is cancerous, uh, I'm going to just amputate your leg. Now, I don't advocate for doctors to talk that way. And they've, they've grown and changed over those, the years. That was many years ago. But he gave me the most two, three miserable weeks of my life. All I did was think about, I'm going to lose my leg. And I wasn't a Christian. I didn't know one thing about the Bible. Talk about miserable. So I go into the surgery. I come out. My leg's still there. But then he goes and says, says, we sent it to the lab. If it's cancerous, you might have it spread all over your body. And then he ruined my life for another couple weeks, right? And, and so all of us have gone through that. Even as Christians, sometimes we pray. We, we trust the promises of God. And still, nothing changes. So I want to help you understand what to do when that's taking place in your life, how to keep hope alive inside of us, hope that endures. So this is a true story about five years ago. Gene and I, our day off, and we drove up to the east suburbs of Cleveland. We were gonna do breakfast slash brunch up there. And uh, I go to get out of my car, and I nearly passed out. It just went black. Never had it happen in my life. And I grabbed my door, and it held on, and then it it went back to normal. Gina didn't see it, so I didn't tell her. I thought, there's no need for her to know that happened and because uh, she'll tell me to go to the doctor. And so I, I thought, let's wait and see. Maybe it was a fluke, right? Maybe I got up too quick and everything just went crazy. And so I didn't tell her. I did have her drive home the rest of the day because I thought, who knows, right? So a couple weeks passed, nothing happened. And then I did my prayer on a Saturday morning, 9 a.m. It's all done, and everybody's kind of left but one guy, and he's a lifetime friend, and we're on the sidewalk, and we're just talking, and it happens again. And, and thankfully, I went for him, and then he grabbed me, and he held me up. I blacked out totally and nearly hit the sidewalk. I would have if he didn't hold me up. So when it's all over and I come to, he goes, what was that all about? And I'm like... I don't know. He goes, has it happened before? I said, yeah, one other time. He said, have you told Gina? I said, no. And he said, well, you better tell her today or I'm going to tell, tell her. He said, if you don't tell her, that's what a good friend would do, right? And he said, you need to go to the hospital right now. And I said, no, I have to do service tonight. You know, I can't go now. And he said, you better call Joe Jr. And he can do the message tonight. So I, I knew he was going to just tell Gina if I didn't do what I had to do. So I called Joe. He had one in the holster. He did a great job. Then I called Gina, and she wasn't happy with me. She's like, why didn't you tell me? And I said, I thought it was a fluke and, you know, that type of thing. And so after she let me know how disappointed she was in me, first time ever, um, <laughs> she said, you need to go to the hospital right now. And I, I said, okay. 
And, and, and so I said, let's pray, and we prayed. And we took the beautiful promises of Isaiah 53, that Jesus bore our sickness and disease and carried all of our pains. By his stripes, we're healed. First Peter 2.24 brings it in the New Testament. By the stripes of Jesus, you're healed. And we just prayed. We said, God, this is what you promised. And we don't know what the problem is. We don't know why this is happening, but you do. We just ask you to heal it in the precious name of Jesus. And then that was this. We gave thanks that God heard our prayer. And so then I told Gene, I'll have my son David drive me up. I didn't want her to go, because I wanted to go to the Cleveland Clinic, the, the, the main branch, and I didn't want her driving up there. And so Dave drove me up to that emergency room. I, my doctors are in Cleveland. And so uh, we're driving up, and we're trying to have a conversation, and I keep having these crazy thoughts just invade my mind. And so I had thoughts like, your heart's clogged. You're going to have to have open heart surgery. You're going to have a heart attack. You're going to have a stroke. This is what's wrong with you. No blood supply is getting to, and these crazy thoughts. And then the craziest one was, you have a brain tumor and it's going to be inoperable and you're going to die, buddy. And, and I'm trying to have this conversation with Dave and he doesn't know what's going on, but I kept doing something to get those out of there and bring hope. And I was able to do it underneath my breath, you know, and just do it. And I'm going to talk about what I did and open it up as we go on today. But I get up there and into the emergency room, and they did every test, blood test and scopes and, and, and everything you can imagine, scans. And uh, after five hours, they're talking with me, and the doctor says, he goes, you know what? We can't find anything wrong with you, but we're very concerned, so we're going to put you overnight in the hospital. They put me in an intensive care. He goes, we're just doing that because all the nurses are there, and we want to monitor you all night. And I didn't sleep, and they were in my you know, bed area over and over. Other people are screaming and crying, and bad night of sleep. I wake up. They do more tests and more blood work, and then finally... The, the big doctor comes in, the main guy, and he was born and trained in China and then came to America, and that's important. That's why I share it. And so he comes in, he says, Joe, I can't find anything wrong with you. I, I, have, I am clueless. But he said, let me ask you a couple questions. He said, the day that this first happened, what were you doing? And I said, well, I woke up early, my day off. I said, I had, uh, I, I had a cup of hibiscus tea with two bags in it. And then I said, we, we got ready to drive to Cleveland. And then I, I have this 20 ounce, or I put two bags of hibiscus in there and, and hot water, and I drank it all the way up. And he, he just got this big smile on his face. He said, oh, he said, really? And then, and then he said, what did you do that Saturday? And I said, well, I woke up early and I said, I had a service that night. So I preached my message early and I'm drinking hibiscus tea, drank two tea bags. And then I said, I went to prayer and I put two more in that 20 ounce and drank those. And then he just had this big smile on his face. And he said, well, I know what's wrong. And I said, what's wrong? He said, well, I was trained in China and herbal medicines. He says, I have training that doctors here wouldn't have. Uh, on top of the fact he was an internist, just a very well-trained guy. He said, one bag of hibiscus tea will drop your blood pressure about 10 to 13 points. He said, and you're dropping four of them. He said, all that happened is your blood pressure dropped too low, and that's why you were fainting. And he just smiled. He said, he said we figured it out. And I said, it took a lot of pokes and things to figure out, right? But, but thankfully, we did. And he said, one bag in the morning, one at night, that's it. Now, guys, that wasn't a real problem. It could have been. But the reason I share... The story is I still had to deal with those crazy darts of the enemy, those thoughts that hit every one of us. And some of you have some real 
problems. I mean, if you're a student right now, uh, you're dealing with COVID-19 and the problems of going through school right now. Some of you, if you're seniors, you're like, my whole senior year is ruined, right? And I think, boy, if that happened when I was in school, I would have been so happy. Like, yay, I, I can play games while the teacher's teaching on the computer. You know, it would have been awesome. But then if you're outgoing and you just want to be around people all the time, it's like, I'm missing school, right? And there's problem after problem that we're dealing with. Some of you have relationship issues. And, you know, they're, they're not changing, and that's really consuming your heart and your life. Others have financial problems. Others have physical problems. And whatever it is, what's ever going on in your life, it can just steal the peace out of our hearts. So how do we deal with that? How, how do we walk in hope and have that peace saturate our hearts? And my big idea tells us how. We'll break it down. But if you're visiting, this is what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. God's promises believed eliminate hopelessness seen. So the scene is the storm. Whatever the problem is, it hasn't changed. You prayed. You're waiting for God to do something. And nothing has changed. That's what you see, and it can bring hopelessness, despair, anxiety, fear. If you have fear, anxiety, that's all a result of not being having hope. Uh, anxiety is the absence of hope, and if you have hope, anxiety can't live in you, right? So, uh, but look at the far, first part. God's promises believed. That's what we're going to talk about. You know, the Bible teaches us that the promises of God, we dealt with it in lesson one, by the way, that the promises of God are an anchor to our soul. And God said, you know what I'm going to do? Everything I promised, I swear by myself, I will bring it to pass. That's pretty cool. He says, I will back, I will make it happen in your life. And so those are so beautiful. They're an anchor to our soul. And if we can learn to believe them and do what I had to do with hibiscus and a hundred other things in my lifetime, guys, we can walk in hope. We can have hope that endures because life isn't going to change. Life is going to throw you curve after curve after curve, and it throws all of us different curves. So I like a section of scripture. If you've been in church a while, you know it, you know it. But it's so powerful, and it's just God talking to us about how he can infuse us with hope. He says, I can do it, and I will do it for you. So here it is, Isaiah 40, verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. And we all say, yes, that's God 101, right? But listen to this. He will not grow tired or weary. This is not physical. This is emotional. And, and the whole you know it from reading the whole text. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. That's a beautiful whole nother message. But here's what we're after. He will not grow tired or weary. God never gives up. He never wants to give up. He never thinks of giving up. And all of us are saying, well, yeah, he's God. So what? I mean, we know that. But what about me, right? Listen to the next verse. Verse 28, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Again, this is emotional, not physical. It's not like you're running a 5K and you're tired right at the end. No, no, this is walking through life and wanting to give up and being hopeless. And the Bible says he wants to give you the, the strength, the power, the peace to produce hope inside of you. That's what God does. And he's going to tell us how in a moment, but but he says one more thing that's amazing. Here's the very next verse. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and they fall. This isn't physical. This is emotionally. And it doesn't matter how tough we are, 
Here's, here's the deal. Life is going to hit us at one time or another with something that knocks us silly. And I remember as a young Christian man, you know, 19 to 23, I remember as a young pastor, Joe, 24, 25, I remember thinking there's nothing in this world that could ever make me want to give up. But then life slaps you upside the head and some problem comes into your life and it knocks you silly and you think you're so tough emotionally, but now you're in the middle of it and, and for the first time you're like, I wanna quit. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can go on and you wanna give up and I don't care how tough you are, it's not God bringing these problems into your life. Life's gonna hit you and when it hits you, God's saying, I have something I can infuse you with and I can bring hope into you like nothing else can. And that's the next and final section. Listen to this. It goes on to say in verse 31, but those who hope in the Lord. I like that. And then the Amplified says it this way, who expect, look for, and hope in him. And it's just referring to us grabbing one of those promises looking to God. Some translations say trust. We're looking to God and we're saying, I believe that and I'm going to receive that into my life. Now he says, if you do that, this is what I'll do. He says, you'll renew your strength. And that word renew means to exchange. You give them your weariness, your tiredness, your anxiety, your fear, your hopelessness. And he says, I'll infuse you with my hope, my power, my life. And he says, there's this great exchange. Then he paints a beautiful picture. Take a look at the picture. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and they will not faint. Guys, Every storm, every problem we walk through, sometimes it's a walking pace, sometimes it's a running pace. It, he says it doesn't matter. This isn't physical, it's emotional. He says, I'll infuse you with strength. But the picture that he makes and paints with the eagle, he says, they will soar on wings like eagles. That is a beautiful picture. So most of us know the eagles, they fly up really high. They go so high that they're where the wind currents are. There's these just constant wind currents up high. And once they get up there, they never flap their wings. <laughs> Life is so tiring, right? They just soar. And aeronautically, they do a little movement here and there and there. They can go this way and that way. And they have a bigger view of life and what's going on, but there's no effort. And here's what God's saying. If you learn to take my promises, pull them into your life, I'll make you emotionally soar above your problems to where you're saturated with peace and you have, you have hope and hopelessness is all gone. And he says, you can just soar through life. Your problem's still there. I mean, it's right there. But it's kind of like you're able to see above it and you're just simply soaring through life. And God says, that's what I can do in every single one of you. He wants to lift us up above our problems and infuse us with hope. So like I always do, right? I'm going to just show you three things you can do to pull this into your life. Hope that endures. To be able to walk through your problems that don't change and just continue to walk through them filled with hope, not wanting to quit, not being bummed out, being happy, being excited about God and having peace in your life. So the first one is really just a caution and it goes like this. Do everything you can do without God's help. And, and so we want to connect with God but we also want to make sure we're doing everything we can do without God's help. And this is so important. Now, I've pastored believers for 37 years. That's a long time. And over the years, people have come to me and said, I need prayer. So I pray for someone physically, and they're having a physical problem. And, and we pray, and we take the promise, you know, that by the stripes of Jesus, we're healed. And we pray for them to be whole. 
And then I'd see him a couple weeks later in the lobby. I'd say, hey, how you doing? Uh, it hasn't changed much. And I said, what's the doctor saying? They go, oh, I'm not going to a doctor. If I go to a doctor, that cancels my prayer. If I really believed, I won't go to a doctor. And it drives me crazy. And I look at these people, I go, are you nuts? You need to go to a doctor, right? And they're like, no, no, that's unbelief. And I'm like, no, it's not. You got to do everything in your power. I prayed for people with financial problems. And I take Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all means. We pray for God to meet their needs. And then I encourage them, go to a financial counselor because uh, some cases they don't have an income problem. They have a spending problem. So I, go, I say, go to a counselor, go to a counselor. No, they, they, I see them weeks later. No, I didn't go. That would be unbelief. You know, I prayed and God's going to meet my needs. I would say, you're going to need them to meet your needs every six months, man. You got to learn some other things with your money, right? And, and people with problems in their marriage to pray for me. I pray, oh, Father, you know, fix this and so on and so forth. And then I see him months later because I encourage him to go to a counselor. Do you go to that counselor? Oh, no, I believe God. God's going to fix it. I go, mm, I don't know about that. He might have to fix you and you need some help to find out what needs fixed, right? And so, so, I've watched people do it over and over. And you know, the Bible says we need to make every effort we can. And there's a proverb, the Amplified Bible brings, uh, it, it brings the Hebrew out. Listen to this, it's Proverbs 18.9. He who is loose and slack or lazy in his work is brother to him who is a destroyer. This is, uh, this, this is one of those Proverbs that give you two different things. And this first one's awesome. Basically, he's saying, you know, you take someone that destroys property, goes out and keys a bunch of cars. He says, a lazy person is the same way. You're a destroyer. That's pretty deep, but we're not talking about that today. But here's what we want. And he who does not use his endeavors, his actions to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. So he says, it's suicidal not to try to do everything in your power to help yourself. And there's negative, there's positive things we can do too. You know, like if someone's a smoker uh, and they're having lung problems, I, you know, I'll say, hey, stop smoking. You know, they're on oxygen. Stop smoking. Oh, no, I'm not going to stop. Well, you need to stop smoking. It's not going to send you to hell, but it's hurting your lungs, right? Or uh, somebody else, you know, that's dealing with other problems, and you're trying to tell them, do this or do that. Um, how, how about eating better, right? We can eat better. So uh, I, I have got on this kick because I, I, I need to help myself out, right? And uh, uh, in case you don't know this about me, uh, I can eat a box of chocolate and take my blood sugar, and it won't change. I can eat a pound, pound and a half. It will not change. Or I can go without eating all day. My blood sugar is always the same. And I want to tell you that's a curse because uh, it'd be better if I felt something, right? And then I'd have to watch myself. But, but I've got that going on. So I made a decision. You know what? I'm going to have a green smoothie every morning. And I've done it now for... Uh, three months because I want those antioxidants and 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 I do a I do eight cups of cow and put it in a blender and I put all these other things in there and and everybody laughs at me because I put cocoa in there raw cocoa and then I put a couple bananas and I tell everybody it tastes like a chocolate milkshake and they're like yeah right and uh, but I, I can't get anyone to take a taste I'm telling you it's delicious why do I do that well I'm trying to trying to help myself. I, I, I have to help myself too, right? I have to do something like, like all of us have to do. And, and then sometimes, you know, we have to exercise. So I start exercising and I'm doing it six days a week and, you know, I'm doing good. All my numbers are great, but here's what this is saying. Someday, Joey, you're going to walk over a cliff and boom. So I'm figuring, you know what? I need to do everything I can in my power. We need to do everything we can in our power, right? And so I like to tell people, man, go to the doctor, take care of yourself, get advice. And guess what? 
Paul the apostle wrote nearly three quarters of the New Testament. He, he said the same thing. He prayed for people to be healed. People were healed all the time, but he had this guy that he mentored. His name was Timothy, and he prayed for Timothy, I can guarantee you. Timothy prayed for Timothy to be healed, but it didn't happen right away. And he said this in 1 Timothy 5.23, drink water no longer exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. So some people might read this and see, say, God doesn't heal everybody. I read it and say, see, sometimes it takes time, right? And so he's, you know, wine in the Bible days is just like a medicine. That was one of their better medicines in Bible days. So he says, drink some wine. It's, it's like today taking some, you know, some kind of pharmaceutical or doing some smoothies. Do something to help yourself out. And some translations say it, it makes it seem like he's saying, don't drink water, just drink wine. And people like that, you know, say, oh, I can drink wine all day. But, but that's why I'm reading this. It does a great job with, with the Greek. Drink water no longer exclusively. So he's not saying just drink wine all day. And some people think, well, God's saying I can be drunk all the time. No, no, he's not. The Bible says don't be drunk, right, on wine. So he's not saying that. And some people tell me, I'm not drunk. I'm okay, Pastor Joe, and their eyes are glassy. And, you know, I call him a functioning drunk, right? So uh, no, no, he's not giving us that permission. But he's saying, take some medicine. Take some things into your own hand. And he says, I will help you if you do that. So we don't just do natural things. And then we connect with God. We need to be doing both. And here's my second point. Pray the promise and thank God until it appears. God's promises believed, eliminate hopelessness seen. And that's where we say, God, here's what you promised, and I'm bringing this to you. Remember what he said? He said, I swear that I will back my promises. So sometimes people say, Pastor, I don't know what the will of God is. And I say, well, when it comes to your life, what you should do with your life, we need to be like Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. But when it comes to what he's promised, we know what the promises of God are because he promised them. So listen to Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. So whatever makes you anxious, that anxiety is the lack of is a lack of peace. It's actually the absence of, of of hope. And and if you have anxiety, you do not have hope. And it goes on to say, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, bring it to God. Hey, I need some help. With thanksgiving, that means coupled together with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So he's saying, bring my promise. And pray my promise and say, this is what you promised. All our prayers need to be based off the promises of God as our foundation. And that's why he says, with thanksgiving. That means connected with thanksgiving. Because, guys, if we know what God's promised, we can thank him for it after we pray. Right, right after we pray, even before we see it. That's what Jesus meant in Mark eleven twenty four 24, when he said, whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and then you'll have it. So just a simple way of us saying, God, you said it, I'm praying it, and I'm accepting the promise. I'm not controlling God. God's promise is his will. So I'm saying, this is what you said. I'm going to pray it. And then when you and I grab a promise, this is what happened with Hibiscus tea story. Listen, listen guys, verse 7. And the peace of God which transcends, supersedes all understanding, all the anxiety areas, all the fear areas, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so peace is always connected with hope. If you have peace, you have hope. You can't have peace without hope. And so what is the Bible saying that we need to do? We need to pay, take those promises to God, pray them, and then we just keep thanking him. So with the hibiscus tea while I'm driving to Cleveland, 
I already prayed and I thanked him and I know he heard me because he promised it to us. So every time those starts came at me, you're going to have a tumor, it's inoperable, you're a goner, you know, this and that. I would just say, God, I thank you that what I prayed, you heard it, you gave it to me, and I don't care how long it comes, I'm going to keep thanking you for what you promised. You know what that brings? peace, hope, and you just stay in it. And then you come to a place where you don't have to do that all the time because they, all those negative thoughts stop coming once you learn to fight them off. So there's, there's a, a place in the Bible where Habakkuk talks about what if everything in your life goes wrong? What should you do? It's a great principle. Habakkuk 3.17. Even though the fig trees are all destroyed and there is neither blossom left nor fruit, Though the olive crops all fell and the fields lie barren, even if the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, agricultural society translated today, if I lose my job, I lose all my income and all my savings is gone. If everything falls apart, if every part of my life goes bad, that's what he's describing. Think about that. What's the first thing you would do? Kind of like, God, why did you let me down, right? A lot of us, that's that... Years ago would have been my first reaction, I have to be honest. But what does the Bible say we should do? Verse 18, very next verse. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be happy in the God of my salvation. That's pretty crazy. And what is he saying? He says, I don't care what's going on in my life. I'm not going to blame God. And I'm going to rejoice in what God has said and what God has promised. And I'm just going to keep rejoicing and thanking God. It's a lifestyle thing, right? And then verse 19 says, here's what will happen. The Lord, God is my strength. He's going to infuse me with that hope and that strength. He will give me the speed of a deer, just another beautiful picture. He's going to give you the ability to walk and to soar and bring me safely over, my, over the mountain. The mountain's your problem. So guys, whatever we're going through, God's saying this is what we do. We just pray, grab that promise, and we live a life of thanksgiving. Now, <clears throat> you ready? The third thing is this. Focus on the scriptures and encourage yourself with them. This is lifestyle, right? Even when we don't pray. Jesus, the Bible says, Hebrews 12, Jesus was able to endure the cross because of the love that was before him. He was able to endure the cross because he saw this incredible joy. And what was that joy? What was that love that was in front of him? It was you and I accepting him somewhere in the future. And he knew, this is tough. God's putting the sins of the entire world on me, and they're beating him, and they're mocking him, and they're spitting on him, and he's carrying this cross, and he fell three times, and then they nailed him to it. How did he get through that without saying, I give up? The heck with you, world. I'm not going to die for you, right? How, how did he make it all the way through? He focused on you and I, the finished product, and that's what God is teaching all of us to do. So in the Psalms, there's a famous Psalm, many of you know it. The psalmist is teaching us to do something that's powerful. He's saying, you know, you're a three-part being, and when your soul wants to quit, and when your soul says, I'm done, I can't take this anymore, he says, you need to talk to yourself. That's what, he, that's what it's about. You need to talk to yourself. And so, you know, you don't want to do that publicly. People might, you know, want to institutionalize you. And so, you know, even when I'm on my car and I decide I'm going to exhort, I'm going to encourage myself, I'll put my phone up there so they think I'm, you know, talking on my phone. Guys, here, listen, listen. Psalm 103, verse 1. Oh, my soul, bless God. So this is his spirit, man. 
talking to his emotional system, his mind, his will, his emotion. So he's, God says, you need to talk to yourself sometimes and remind yourself. It goes on to say, uh, from head to toe, I will bless his holy name. That means I'm just gonna talk about the goodness of God. I'm gonna remind myself of what God has done. I'm gonna remind myself of what I have prayed. Oh, my soul, bless God. Don't forget a single blessing. He forgives your sins, every one, and he heals your diseases, every one. Pretty powerful. And I think if I just stopped with the first one, every sin I've ever committed, Jesus died for. That's pretty cool. I'm going to heaven. No matter how bad it messes up down here, I'm going to heaven. You're going to heaven. That in itself should bring us some happiness, right? But, but then he goes on and talks about some other beautiful spiritual things. But then he closes with this, and I love this close. Verse 6. God makes everything come out right. He's still talking to himself. Listen, buddy, God's going to make everything come out. And this is David, and David had a lot of troubles. And he's saying, listen, buddy, God's going to make everything come out right. He puts victims back on their feet. And so as we're walking through the toughest times in our life, we have to remember, hey, we serve the God who makes everything come out Right. And it reminded me, I was preparing for this, and we used to have a Christian school here. And I remember when my kids were in the Christian school, Word of Life Christian Academy, um, it was second or third grade. One of our children, they were in school with this girl who had this crazy, amazing voice. And she's this little girl. And she used to sing a song walking through the hallways. And, and I would I just tell her, sing it for me again, right? And uh, I, I only remember one verse because it's just what really changed my life. And the verse was this. It's going to be all right. And she's saying all kind of other things. But then she would just, it's going to be all right. And God is just saying to all of us, we need to have that little verse going on in our heads. It's going to be all right. Because God has made the promise, if I be for you, who can be against you. And that produces hope that endures. So guys in Borman, TCI, Warren, online, can we give it up and say thank you, God, for hope that endures? It endures. This is something we can work in our lives. And one of my missions as Pastor Joe is everybody that listens and everybody connected to us, I want us to walk at a level of freedom and peace no matter what's going on in our life. Because I have determined nothing on this earth is going to make me walk through life moping and hopeless and full of anxiety because I am part of the kingdom of God, which is eternal, which will never end. And we have a king that's coming back someday. He's going to rule the entire earth. And I'm just going to walk through this place happy, baby. And God wants all of us to do that. That's who we serve. And how wonderful it is to get up in the morning and be happy and go through your day and be happy and have hope. I don't care what I'm dealing with, all kinds of issues. I thank you, God, you're going to fix that baby. You're going to fix this baby. You're going to fix that baby. And, and it's just all going to work out, right? Because God is God. So we need to pray. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, as always, I, I did my best, but I know you're doing things I can't do. You're speaking to hearts. You're opening up eyes. You're encouraging. You're exhorting. And Lord, I thank you for everything you spoke to every heart today as I just shared scriptures, Lord God. I thank you that you're the God that allows us to soar above everything this life's throwing at us. And sometimes it's some terrible things, Father. So Father, I'm not making light of people's problems, but I'm, I'm thanking you, we're thanking you that you're the God that walks us through and floods us with hope. 
So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I really believe right now God's speaking to some hearts and I just want you to open up. Put your antennas up. Plug into God's internet and let him just flood you, man. Listen to what he's saying to you. He's, he's about to speak something to you that will change your life forever. And he's wanting to take you to that place of hope in a hopeless world. Let's stay in an attitude of prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. God's just moving online here at Boardman, TCI. Maybe you're with us, maybe you're visiting, maybe you've been here a couple times, but you're not sure of your eternity. So you don't have eternal hope. You don't know if you die, is there a heaven? Isn't there a heaven? Will I go? Won't I go? Well, God's given us some incredible promises in the Bible. And listen to lesson one. I kind of dealt with it in there, right? Uh, eternal hope, I called it. But guys, Jesus said, I came to die for you so you can live. And God placed all of our sins upon him. And we talked about that, quoting Hebrews chapter 12. And you know, only God can open our hearts up to Jesus. I can't. But he said, if I share the good news, he can work. And I believe he's working on people right now. And he said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. I'll wash your sins away. Heaven will become your home. So if you're listening, your heart's touched right now while we're all in prayer, would you pray with me? And the rest of us, can we help him? Borman, TCI Warren, can we help him online? Help, help us out. And if you're praying, if this for the first time, simply mean it. Say this, say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I'm sin stained. And that's why I'm looking to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God who came to the earth to save us. I believe you died for my sins. God raised you out of the grave and you are my savior. Today, I accept you as my savior. I make you Lord of my life and I make a decision to follow you. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.